Hello. And welcome. <laughs> to Kayla and Harrison. Won't shut the fuck up. Why won't they stop talking? <laughs> <laughs> so this actually leads me right into my anecdote, Harrison, that I was going to share with you. Yes, let's just get right into it. So you know I'm a woman of many jobs. And I was at one of those many jobs this morning. And I was like, I can't be here too late after my shift because I have to report, record a podcast. And they were like, you do a podcast? <laughs> and I said, I'm not surprised you don't know because my partner is the one who's really good at the things and knowing stuff and doing this stuff. And they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, okay, so there's a radio show here in Alaska mm-hmm. um, called Elliot in the Morning. Are you familiar? <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't. My okay. car, my car doesn't have very good reception, so the radio channels are a little sketchy. Wait, really? Yeah. So which um, mm. which station is that? Which number? Oh, um, one hundred and one. Is that on the Alaska AM or the FM airwaves? <laughs> it's on the. It's 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 shut up, Harrison. <laughs> it's on the AK one hundred and one station. Long story short. There's a very boisterous person who is the leader of that show, Elliot, and then there are two other people who speak in a normal tone and have things to say. And I said, imagine that Diane on the show was trying very hard to have a podcast that reviewed movies, and an Elliot figure always just blah, 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 <laughs> and made, said things that don't make any sense and was way too loud. And I'm Elliot. And they were like, oh, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate their honest feedback, but I feel like we're both a little bit Elliot. Aww. We can both, we can both be Elliot. And wait, we actually, we're, we're also both a little bit in the morning as well. Just The just third character on the show. Tyler. Oh, the fourth character on the show. <laughs> the morning. You know, I'm sure anyone listening from Alaska is like, of course I know that radio show. Oh, of course. It's just, you know, yeah. We all we all do. It's a um, yes. <laughs> try. It's a tried and true Alaskan radio station. Yes, classic. Um, so we are watching a wintry, a holidayish, wintry film this yeah morning. <laughs> and uh, I find it funny too because it's a. It's a specifically a Christmas movie, and um, we haven't even hit Thanksgiving. And my biggest complaint about most chain stores is that before mm-hmm. Halloween has even had time to claim its victory of October, we have to look at <laughs> Halloween, or I mean Christmas thing themed <laughs> things, and it drives me yeah. insane. Not that Thanksgiving um, is a holiday worth any that's... time or energy, aside mm-hmm. from celebrating i guess with your family if there wasn't an international pandemic and you enjoy being around your family but (laughs) um instead it's uh just a really awful gluttonous holiday that that's well i was gonna say i don't really mind the the chris uh the christmasification of november because like i'm a holiday person i like holidays i'm not a christian Okay, I listen to a holiday dolly Christmas. Okay, mm-hmm. but like you listen to Hanson Snowden, we all do. I constantly, I, <laughs> um, I Thanksgiving. Why? Fuck it. The only good, only good thing about Thanksgiving is um, the Bob's Burgers episodes about Thanksgiving are already. Well, funny. okay, but there's Always. also there are some good movies about Thanksgiving. But like what, Harrison? But we hate Thanksgiving so much that we chose not to feature them. So maybe also there aren't any. What are you talking about? Thanks killing. You know oh. Thanks killing is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I literally okay. watch Thanks killing every year on Thanksgiving. Like how I you need do. you to know that. No, I have I it is the only tradition is, I carry. Is that a real movie cuz it sounds like the fake movie Stop. Movie. You've seen Thanks killing. Uh, I've made no. you watch it. Oh, did you? <laughs> it's it about a murderous turkey. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? Good for them. Good for the turkey, <laughs> honestly. Good for the turkey. That's what I mean. Good for them. No, I... Oh, man. Do you remember that fake trailer for a Thanksgiving-themed horror movie that was before 
Grindhouse before. No way. Um, Planet Terror and I've only seen that once. Another one. Okay, well, this house doesn't watch it constantly. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is a Robert Rodriguez house. Okay, <laughs> thank oh. you. <laughs> anyway, you're right. Thanks. Thanks. Killing is is real. Why didn't we watch this, Harrison? Because I wanted to skip over this dumb holiday. Um, also, okay, <laughs> shout out to all First Nations people. Fuck mm-hmm. the holiday of Thanksgiving. Yes. Moving along. Uh, we chose a movie that is a remake. You could say it's a remake of a remake, actually, because it's the third interpretation of this movie. Yes. It's yes. called and Black Christmas. Black Christmas I didn't realize there was already a remake until I looked up this film to watch it and I had a moment where I was like, which one am I supposed to watch? I didn't know there were two remakes because I've seen the original yeah. many times. I love the original. Um, I I, I want to start this podcast off by just, or this episode specifically about talking about how much you should go and watch the original Black Christmas before diving yes. into either of the remakes because it is one of the impetus for the slasher genre it is canadian yes it's so well done in my opinion it's such a fun movie um did you fun and fun you, in like a relative terms of yeah, like a I, slasher movie it's, it's fun for a it's like a good well-made slasher film if that's what you're interested in watching then this is a fun choice yes right? the original um, I, okay, have you seen this first remake? I can't even, like... Yes, I have. What is it? Who is it? Where is it? Why is it? It was, was like, it a mid-aughts, uh, no, it was terrible. Wasn't Amanda Bynes in it? I, I don't, I don't remember this. Uh, it says 20, 2000, why didn't I know about this? Freaking Mary Elizabeth Winstead is in it? Oh, yeah. No, Amanda, it doesn't say Amanda Bynes. Oh, Michelle Trachtenberg Oh, that's what I'm thinking That's of. why... That's Harriet the Spy. Are... Is that who that is, or is that? Yeah, Michelle oh. Trachtenberg is Harriet the Spy. I I wasn't even thinking of the right person. I was thinking of Lori Ben Lori Beth Dinberg. Oh, a little bit older than uh, Michelle Trachtenberg by by a little. Um, yeah. I would not say that it's it's certainly not the worst mid aughts remake, but it's certainly not great. I mean, uh... I would I would put it on par with like. The Texas Chainsaw remake, or like The Hills Have Eyes remake, or you know, uh-huh. it was just a series of remakes of popular horror films this, there for a while. Just, just or the remake. Quickly. I would actually maybe put it on the same level as like the My Bloody Valentine remake. I haven't seen the original or the remake. Oh my that. god, the original is like I hold dear to my heart. I just love Canadian slasher films from the seventies and eighties. Apparently, apparently, I just want to be cold. Like I am in Alaska. Yes. I just want some town, some town camaraderie, and that's just <laughs> meets all my needs. So a quick, a, a cursory, if you will, overview of the plot of the 2006 Black Christmas. This seems like a more true remake yeah. than the film we are going to be talking about today, which was only at the very loosest. Would I consider it a remake? Yeah. I think we should actually review all three. So maybe we'll save the discussion of the other one and just talk about this one and do them in reverse because I think that could be interesting. My dream, which has always been for us to only review films with the same name. Yeah. We got so close. close. (laughs) We'll do the third one. We'll do the third one on the the one year anniversary. We need a a new gimmick, (laughs) and I would like that gimmick to be that we only review films that have the same name as other films, and we just do that forever and ever and ever and ever. Yeah, that's great. I thought about that earlier, actually. I was like, I was thinking about this, and I was like, okay, so we watched Black Christmas. Now we need to review the next one with, I just discovered Michelle Trachtenberg, not Amanda Bynes, (laughs) and then watch the original, which in my opinion is like top tier, and then we should... We should just make our podcast where we watch originals and remakes and compare them. But oh my God. did we just stumble upon the million dollar podcast idea? No one take it from us. Yeah, <laughs> copyright. I'm putting copyright. it right now. Um, right now. Yeah, don't fuck us over, fans. We love you. 
like and subscribe and review and share. Um, anyway, let's get sure. into it. Black Christmas. Yes. Okay. So 2019. This will contain spoilers if you didn't already know. We review movies on this podcast. So if you want to watch the remake before listening to this, I suggest doing it. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Or if you're on the fence about watching it, I guess listen and make your own decision if you don't mind being spiraled. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, this, I, movie okay, is, so I, this movie is made in the U.S. Sure. Uh, it was filmed in... <laughs> sorry, I'm just... Kind I of, assume New England? It was... Because... It was filmed okay, in New to, Zealand. Okay, but they are not Kiwis up in this film, right? Because they all have American accents. And I, hold on, I need to just look up, like, one quick thing before I say anything. Because this film takes place at a college, and I assume this is a made-up college that doesn't actually exist, with a made-up founding father that doesn't exist. But I don't know enough about my own country's history, so I'm just going to very quickly Google Calvin Hawthorne to make sure that's not a real person. <laughs> Just before I'm pretty I say sure Mu Kappa anything, Epsilon is not a real fraternity. I, I don't, how would I? How, or sorority. How would I know? How, how would I know? Well, I we were, we were in fraternity. No. Oh, my God. It is a real. No, we were. I know. I'm just kidding. Oh, it's actually oh. Mu. In the movie, it's Mu Excuse Kappa me, Epsilon. Lord. And in, the, in reality, it's Mu Epsilon Kappa. The only... The only fraternity slash sorority that I care about, can you guess what it is? Phi Theta Kappa? I don't know what that means. But it's no. the only, it's, it's a fraternity, it's an academic fraternity. I was in it. Because I am collegial. I didn't even know we had fraternities at our college. It wasn't at our college, it was before I transferred there. Oh, okay. Um, actually, also, I don't. I do know we had at least one fraternity at our college. Because a friend of mine was in it. But I feel like there was just the one. And it was just a yeah. bunch of dudes in a townhouse, chillaxing, and seemed to have nothing to do with the sorority. Sorority? Fraternity? Here's my point. Delta New Harrison. Have you heard of it? Delta no. New. Okay. Wow. Legally blonde. That's me. No? No! <laughs> Legally blonde is the fraternity. God damn it, she's in Delta New in that movie. <laughs> oh, 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 I thought you were saying, I thought you were inferring that I'm, this is not my natural hair color. I was, agree- I mean, I, I have right. a it's sneaking not- suspicion. <laughs> no, Delta New, it's, okay, by the way, I've been Googling it. Calvin Hawthorne is the college they go to. They go to like Hawthorne College, not a real person. Confirmed. He is, I believe, a Thomas Jefferson proxy. Yes, now, I agree. Now, here in Alaska, Thomas Jefferson, he's everywhere, right? All of the schools in Alaska are named after Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> we live in the Thomas Jefferson state. So, granted that this guy is a Thomas Jefferson proxy, mm. he deserves everything that's shitty about this fake Thomas Jefferson. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so... The movie starts with a... Okay, so like as a general kind of summary of this film, it's about Mm -hmm. a killer who is targeting a sorority. Mm -hmm. And it's a sorority... And it's worth noting because it's very overt in the movie that the sorority is filled with progressive, woke uh, women. Yeah. Who... It's like, that's like part of the plot. Yeah. Who all are, you know, uh, overtly in charge of their autonomy and they are actively trying to fight against the repression that takes place in the school for minorities in general. Or at least one of them is, really. I mean, when you really get down to brass tacks, it's really one of them. Um... Yeah, but even really, it's even it's there's implied similarities yeah. between them. Yes. Yes. 
But they're not even, remember, there's another sorority who's, like, actively petitioning various things um, that come back, they come back later in the film. Yeah. Another sorority with some incomprehensible Greek name. I don't understand it. Yeah, there's... There's two sororities, that's all you need to know, and there's one fraternity. And apparently yeah. none of the men in the fraternity feel the need to hold each other accountable for their actions, which is uh, largely what culminates in the ending of the film. Um, yes. With the exception of one character, who I still well, am unclear as to whether or not they were in the fraternity or not. And that is the love that interest was... of the main character. And he has cute Harry Potter glasses. He does. I was very, was very charmed by those glasses. Yes. As, as soon as I saw him, I was like, you're a nice boy. Yeah. You're a nice young man. I can tell. Because your glasses are too small. Yeah. You look like Harry Potter. Dead giveaway. Mm-hmm. So our main character um, is a Riley. victim of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. which is talked about pretty early on. And mm-hmm. Riley is essentially the motherly figure in the sorority house. She takes care mm-hmm. of everyone, and the time period is winter break. So everyone is mm-hmm. gathering their things to go home. This is honestly the only thing, other than the title, and a couple of visual references mm-hmm. throughout the film to kills in the original, Um This is like the only thing it has to do with the original is that it takes them a a little bit of time to figure out that murders are happening because the setting of the film is right as winter break starts. So girls are like, hey, I'm going on the train to wherever I live. And then you don't see them again and you don't realize it's a problem until, you know, later in the film when someone gets a call like, I'm so-and-so's mom, and so-and-so never came home. And you're like, well, wait a minute, because she left earlier. Right. Um, so that, again, like, that that idea is a really good setup for any horror movie. This idea that there's a reason why someone leaves and you haven't heard from them, and you don't realize that there's a problem until it's too late. Right. That's, that's pretty much the similarities to the original basically stop there. Yes. Honestly. Well, and the cat. So there's a cat that is a theme in both films which is the best character in the movie. I um, forgot that there was a cat in the original one, but you're right. You're right. My mistake. I'm sorry, cat. <laughs> yes. And the cat's name is the same in both, I, I believe. And now I can't remember Claudette. the cat's Claudette. It's the same it's name. It's Claudette. Same name. Same name as the original. It passes the test. That's um, pretty cool. I'm upset, though, because one of my favorite things about the original is that poster in the background of like all the shots, which is a nice big red ram, and it says Aries on it. Oh, and, and this for, is poster? this or the original? Original. I'm obsessed uh, the, with the that original. Poster. Also has a poster of two people fucking in the form of a peace <laughs> sign in the background, <laughs> which is my takeaway from that movie. We noticed two different that poster and Claudette the cat, who <laughs> really has her own interests in mind solely, <laughs> the entire film. Um, wow, so I yeah, remember the important stuff from. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the original black and so Christmas. do you yeah <laughs> now i'm obsessed with looking up this stupid poster <laughs> every time i watch this movie i get really obsessed with that poster we need to make a copy I, of it i'm surprised I, there's I, not I've, like an obscure toy of it yet since that's I, like I've such a popular thing to do now i've been like michael put your feelers out in the niche horror merchandise market which is where you live mm-hmm. and let me he know and i share I that that, <laughs> that freaking aries poster because i want it we can make you one. We can we can arrange oh, it. Could you please? So, the movie opens with a murder. This sorority sister is walking home, and she starts getting random texts from an indis- like indeterminable source. Also, it's an app? Question mark. I'm not really sure because I don't think they got the rights to use Apple phones. Mm-hmm. So no, but I also I don't I think it was supposed to be like because she kept calling them DMs and not text messages. So I got the feeling that it was a whatsapp proxy like because it was called zip zap it was like calvin hawthorne is messaging you on zip zap is what it kept being called gotcha which is maybe like a new zealand version of group me who knows um this movie does not take 
place in New Zealand. I'm not no. really sure where it's supposed to take place. Uh, it's not really specified, but it is a very snowy place. The opening kill is, um, as I was saying, a uh, student walking home, and she encounters immediately encounters our antagonist, who is a hooded character, and he kind of stalks her in the yard and eventually stabs her in the chest with an icicle. Um, mm-hmm. Which, I that whole exchange was odd. There were people, there were other people out, like, right before she's murdered. She's in a neighborhood. She's screaming and pounding on doors. No one answers. We never see anyone else except the killer. So I'm not sure, like, what we're expected to believe there. It's a little difficult to ascertain well, but i will say it does set you up for the uh wild ride that this movie takes you on in terms of plot because let's just say i couldn't have anticipated anything that occurred in the third half of this movie and yeah no the I moment it starts to unfold i just kind of was like please don't let this be it and then sure enough, know. that's what it was. I, I just sent you an important image on Messenger. Oh, I see it. I just I just DM'd you on ZipZap. I from got it. Calvin Hawthorne. Calvin Hawthorne just sent me an Aries picture of a poster. Mm-hmm. I need that. Yeah, we're going to have to find that. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, because I couldn't remember your email address. Because much like the frat people who were ZipZapping, you only I'd do the DMs. I only know about that. I don't know how else to. Um, so I think that this, even though I, I made a big deal at the beginning of this review, that um, this Nathaniel, ha- not Nathaniel Hawthorne, that's a real person. That's a real person. God. Calvin, whatever the hell, is a proxy for Thomas Jefferson. Uh, however, I think this is supposed to be a New England college, like one of the Ivy Leagues. That was the impression I got. You okay. know, it's a, it's makes a very sense. Ivy League leave looking whatever um and as we all know here in alaska the school that thomas jefferson founded is uh not not in ivy league and it's not in new england it's, no. it's here in alaska it is <laughs> yep um so I, I yes i was i was really you know we we haven't really even talked about the plot but it's it's it gets it becomes incomprehensible so we get i, I was with this film for the first half of it Mm-hmm. And Michael had said, you know, this film doesn't have a good reputation, like in terms of it was not at all critically acclaimed. It has a terrible no. rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, there was a moment where I was like, well, that's weird because I'm really into it. You know, I, the main girl, I, I like, I get it. I'm, I'm with these characters. Like, it's a little problematic that the, that the character who is really the one who is, is, is bossy or pushy and she's the one who's, um, sort of um, circulating petitions about professors and being aggressive in her attempt to, you know, um, deal with real problems, right? Right. She's obviously got, she's right, her points are correct, she's very insensitive about it, and she's the only black girl. Yeah. Um, And I feel like, you know, that's an issue, um, obviously. Um, And... But I was still with it. I was like, you know what? It's 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 kind of an issue to have right. uh, um, the the only girl who's out there doing things that it would be considered as like um, aggressive is the is the only black woman character. Although there is another black woman at the very end of the film. But whatever. Anyway, the point is um, that I was still I was still with it. I was like, okay, I right. like where this is going. I like that character. I like the main girl too. I like everyone. I'm interested. The love interest looks like a cute, tall, black Harry Potter, mm-hmm. and I'm into it, and, like, this is going to be cool, and maybe everyone who doesn't like this film is just sexist. Like, that was where I was at, like, 30 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. I have to say, like, the beginning of the film for me felt, like, it felt like this was a movie that was made, <laughs> it was so heavy-handed, the beginning, and the introduction to these characters, especially the character you're talking about. Um, mm-hmm that uh chris who's the character you're describing um wait is that that's the the girl in the fraternity or the sorority 
Yeah. Oh, right, right. So, the, right, okay. I got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. I remember now. Her name is Chris. Yeah. Yes. So Chris is the best friend of the main character, essentially. I think that's safe to say. What the yes. what the film does is it it from the beginning sets us up like I'm not almost all of the fraternity members the men are like white men and, mm-hmm. and they all, all they, they all look, look similar the exact same. yeah they the all look same. similar and then it's impossible to tell them apart all of the fraternity is a very diverse cast um their or sorority sorry. Um, yeah. We get different religious representation. We get different races in within the house. Um, but yeah, the, that's true. And but that's and then it makes this very like um, overt statement from the beginning about the fact that they're all like like girl power mm-hmm. progressive members of this house, right? Like we mm-hmm. see things that are characteristically not represented in other. Mo- other movies um as like a kind of oppressive force right like it opens it one of the opening scenes is like one of the sorority or after we're introduced to all the characters one of the sorority sisters comes in and is like can i can i have a diva or can i have a tampon my diva cup is someone took my diva cup and then like she proceeds to put it in in front of her sorority system sister um so there's various not not a thing vagina people do yes vagina havers do so it's (laughs) It's already like it felt so heavy-handed that I was like, "This is actually making fun of this," and I think that's why yeah. the beginning of the movie lost me because I was like, "Was this made by like a conservative man?" Like, I because I mm-hmm. can't figure out. I had a hard time taking mm-hmm. the bait. Um, I, all all of that I still bought, but I, I'm cutting you off. But I I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, it just I, felt was, it, and I don't know if it was a result of the acting because I feel like that also wasn't great. But in terms of what you're saying, it still fell into the same tropes that horror movies are guilty of. Whereas mm-hmm. Chris, the character that we meet who's black and who's really active, ends up becoming like the quote unquote like loud character who's in your face. And then, you know, we still have a white and- savior complex because the main character is a white woman mm-hmm. who is basically a mother to everyone in the house. Well, and this kind of t- takes us into so I I did buy it. I was I think maybe I'm so hungry for what that could have been. Yeah. That I was willing to overlook a lot of things. Like final girls are a huge part of of the horror movie genre, um, and there's obviously tons of discourse out there about gender in horror movies. Yes. Um, men Men Women and Chainsaws. Um, the book is an excellent example of 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 that kind of a discourse. Like. But still, with everything that I love about the horror genre and everything that I understand about it and what it means and, and these phenomena, I was just like, yeah, man, this is going to be a film where the systemic, like, sexist, racist baloney of this school, founded by a Thomas Jefferson proxy, mm-hmm. which is problematic, like, this is going to be a film about girls who were best friends and they're going to take down this 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 system they're good like that's what i i want this to be that so much yeah where like the horror is these you know institutionalized issues um that face women and other minorities or women slash and minorities um in university settings in in these professional settings like i want i want her so bad person um yeah, that I did. overlooked a lot of red flags at the beginning of this film, like everything you just said. Um, I overlooked them, and I was like, this is still going to be fine. I'm enjoying myself. Yay. Yeah. Like, I think my initial comment about being it being heavy-handed, like, as I was watching it and kind of, like, ruminating on it, I was like, this feels too good to be true. Or not even too good to be true, because, it, like I said, it felt so heavy-handed that it was just like it almost felt like it was falling into like a satirization of the people that it was mm-hmm. talking about. And I was like, okay, so, so how are they going to wrap this up then in terms of like dealing with Just, the actual yeah. plot? Because I, there has to be a redeeming quality more like a more thought out and well-developed than just them becoming the victors in the end, which is kind of exactly what happens. That's not even like my problem with it really. 
Because in the end, they are victorious. And I do get that moment that I wanted so desperately of, like, sisterhood right. and defeating, you know, uh, what's the word that means all oppressive things, not just the patriarchy, but I think maybe the, the chiriarchy? I'm not making that word up. That's a real word that someone made up and is in, you know, the discourse. But it was hollow because it... You know, okay, so the original Fat Christmas, right, is one of those movies where it's scary because it's it's random, right? I mean, spoiler alert for the original Black Christmas, but, like, it's horrifying because you don't know who the killer is. You don't know why they're doing this. They're terrorizing, you know, these girls, and there's no defined reason why. That's like the, And there's no resolution. There's no resolution. This This idea that, like... It's it's a slasher principle on in a lot of ways where it's like Jason is killing you not because you did anything that's what you think but actually he's killing you because nothing means anything and you could be murdered at any moment um, and it's indiscriminate. Well, uh, uh, yeah, I think that there's a distinction though with Jason. Yeah, with, Jason with, was a weird, weird person to bring up, but you. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but Jason mm -hmm. was kind of like a moral. There was like a moral compass guiding mm -hmm. the production of that film, whereas Black Christmas didn't have that at all. There was no... The, it's not the because they apt, were, like... Yeah. Fornicating. It was because, you know, like, there there mm -hmm. was no because. <laughs> whereas in this, I feel like... I feel like... Well, I feel like we should finish explaining the plot maybe first. Because yes, it's yes. going to unravel... I'm going off on a tangent already. Yeah, it's going to unravel <laughs> quickly. So... Yes. Basically, <laughs> what happens is it's re it's revealed, as we might have said, that Helena, Helena, what, uh, the girl who is in cahoots. Are we giving that part away yet? Oh wait, sorry, no. Who is the main character? <laughs> Riley. Riley. Okay. So Riley is struggling to move on because she had a sexual assault by a person who has graduated and is no longer at the college. She fought. There's going to be a dance that they're all preparing for. Um, mm -hmm. And she has coached her sisters into doing this choreography and this song. And then at the last minute, they find out that the alum is coming back. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember why, but at some point she's in the fraternity and discovers them doing a rush or an initiation um, for newcomers. Yes. Which, first issue... That doesn't happen right before winter break, does it? No, I, it happens at the beginning of the, the semester. One, you're the one who was in an academic fraternity. So I Rush, have Rush, absolutely no idea how fraternities or sororities work at all. None. Well, okay, no so thought. it definitely happens. I'm, Which, a, I'm, a little, I'm a little naive <laughs> here, so I can't say for certain, but it, it feels disingenuous to suggest... And maybe I just am totally, like, uneducated on I this. Would, it I feels odd that it's happening right before winter break, that they're initiating people into a fraternity. I am so ignorant of what the whole Greek culture is like outside of um, what happens in Legally Blonde that you could tell me, actually, Kaylin Harrison, not only do we initiate our pledges the day before winter break, but we make sure to just spread tar all over their foreheads and make them wear yes. big cloaks. I would be like, that checks out for me because like, sure, that's probably what you all do. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. So anyway, that's One of odd. our listeners, let us know. <laughs> yeah, chime in and tell us how wrong we are because it's probably accurate. Um, or how right we are. Hmm, yes. Yeah, we that. do like to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, there... Uh, the main character witnesses initiation, which involves some sort of tar being placed on their head. And then she gets it on her hands and she's like, well, that's weird. And so that mm -hmm. becomes a running theme throughout the movie as they discover their sorority sisters dead or uh, implications that they might have gone missing. We see glimpses that this person in a black robe is now stalking the sorority sisters. We've already had, um, some information earlier in the film fed to us that Chris, one of the main characters is starting a petition to get one of the professors fired. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he's lurking around being creepy. Yeah. So like there's some, 
insinuation that he might be the killer. At least I think that's how it's trying to set it up to throw you off. Um, which isn't that much yes. of a throw off, to be honest. I was about to say. Uh... Um, so he won't teach any books written by women. That's like the big mm-hmm. uh, point of contention in his teaching and instruction is he thinks that the old classics have to be taught. And of course, old classics are only written by men. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that, and he's upset because that same girl with the petition got the statue of of their founder removed removed from like the public library or whatever. And then it is discovered Um, in when the um, ceremony is taking place, the induction for the pledges or whatever it's in the background mm -hmm. crying that black slime. So here, here's our first connection in the frat house. Our first connection is they're worshiping the statue. There's black goo everywhere, including on their foreheads. And now they're having a party and they're all going to be doing a song and dance number. And one of the sisters goes missing. Um, mm-hmm. Or she's intoxicated. I think she's intoxicated. She gets really sick. She's intoxicated. And the main character saves her from being presumably sexually harassed by Or assaulted, yeah, by one of the yeah. fraternity members. Um, yes. So she's on. she's out of the mix. And so Riley has to step up and be in the song and dance number. And the song and dance number essentially turns into a call out for her sexual assaulter who is returning to campus and everyone is either cheering or booing them. All of the fraternity members are booing him because in classic um, rape apologist uh, presentation, Mm -hmm. they're defending him and saying that he didn't do what she said he did. Um, Mm -hmm. And, they all rush off the stage and are celebrating that they did that. And one of the main characters, boyfriends who's in the, you know, first three quarters of the movie, um, had Mm -hmm. taken a video and later we find out that Chris had posted it on social media and it was garnering a whole bunch of attention. And, and Riley didn't know Riley had not given consent for the video to be posted. Yeah, That's important because that's one of the only, moments in this film that truly felt like it was going to talk about these issues in an important way um in that the character who was like well what's important since the police didn't believe you and nothing happened what's important is that we out this guy and our main character is like i didn't i didn't want you know it's almost another violation that now fifty thousand people have seen me accusing my rapist right Without um, my consent. Without my consent. Um, but don't worry, they quickly drop any discussions yes. of how to be an ally to survivors. Yeah. They never talk about it again. <laughs> yeah, instead, they all started getting knocked off one by one. So yes. um, they managed to, when it's down to three of them left, or so we think three, um, they managed to go upstairs and hide in the closet while the killer is... The killer unveils that he has a bow and arrow, which is just like, that's the weapon of choice, apparently. Um, sure. I'm not here to question that, of all the things questioned. And <laughs> he shot one of the three that got away. Um, they're upstairs in a linen closet trying to figure out how they're going to survive. And Riley has to go downstairs to find a phone to call the police, which the police have already been... Um, realistically in my opinion <laughs> painted as unhelpful in this situation yeah, I, well and it's also established that riley had reported this rape from years past to these same campus police and nothing happened. right mm-hmm. so they finally go downstairs um after an altercation with Marty and Nate, who are, Marty is one of the three women who are upstairs in the linen closet. Her boyfriend, Nate, as I said earlier, was recording their uh, performance. They get in an altercation, Mm -hmm. Nate leaves, and then almost immediately after, the three girls are attacked by the killer Mm -hmm. with a bow and arrow. It shoots Marty, they run upstairs, she's apparently losing a lot of blood, and they have to send Riley downstairs to figure out if she can contact the police. And when she gets downstairs, uh, he comes back. 
Nate comes back and then is murdered by the killer. And he, right before it, you get your first indication that this film is going to become absurd because he's like, I have a migraine. And you hear the ringing noise of his migraine. And he's like, ah, like, and I, I, migraine's terrible and debilitating, you know, but like, it, you start to think like, wait, what? Yeah, I mean, my initial thought was like, oh, they have a weapon that they aim towards someone and it makes, yeah, it makes their head pulsate or something. So Mm -hmm. that happens. He gets shot in the eye. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's dead. He's dead, Harrison. He's dead. Move on, Harrison. He's dead. Um, the, they kill one of the, (laughs) fast forward, they kill one of the people in, they kill the killer. The killer's dead. They kill the killer. Spoiler alert, he wasn't the only one, and someone who's dressed exactly the same shows up as soon as this first one is dead. And after a series of slaughters of killers, it is determined that after removing the mask, that they are all fraternity members, and they all have the same black glue uh, goo on their forehead and glowing red eyes. And also... What happens is they, so this whole film has been lit by Christmas lights, which is really cool. Another thing that's really cool about the original is the lighting, the use of Christmas lights as, uh, as in, in frame lighting. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I keep wanting to say diegetic as if that makes, well, maybe it does make sense. Diegetic lighting. <laughs> like the lighting is theoretically what it would be. It's not set up, um, to be overdramatic or anything. And you finally, they finally turn a real light on and they realize that they, you know, they've been covered in blood this whole time. Right. right? They just killed at least two of these attackers and they realize that the blood they're covered in is not red, it's black. Mm. Like the tar stuff that's on this guy's forehead and that, what's her name, had seen at the fraternity. Yes. And also... And that's when you're like... Yeah. Also like a random, maybe important fact is... During these altercations that occur, the two main characters, um, Chris and Riley, um, the third person they were with, Marty, whose boyfriend got shot, she's also stabbed or shot with an mm-hmm. arrow. That it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> she's, she's, she's dead, dead but in her, in her struggle to survive, <laughs> she reaches her cell phone and calls who we assume are the police. And then we get a frame, we get a shot that cuts to the other sorority on campus also being targeted by these uh, lookalike killers. And the police come to the door and they are murdered by the kill- the presumed I, killer of the film. So at this point, I thought, it's gone into full madness. There's an unlimited amount well, of killers. <laughs> I did think that that was a good reveal. Where you think that the cop has finally, you know... Well, and he does. He's finally gotten off his ass and he's doing something, but... I thought it was a very good reveal where you were like, okay, so this Marty character has called the cops and now he's on his way to save these two remaining girls. And I thought the shot where it, where he opens the door, it pans and he opens the doors and it's a sorority house full of a totally different group of girls killing their own cloaked people. I thought that was a very good uh, reveal. And it sets you up for thinking the rest of the film is going to be clever. Yeah, but boy, (laughs) is it not. So they get in the car. Uh, the two survivors get in the car, Riley and um, Chris. They're driving away, and they kind of get into an argument, and Riley's like, you're supposed to be strong, and now you're running away. Let me out of the car. I'm going to go well, in I- this because in full, like, confident, um, no satire involved, monologue explains that uh, they are <laughs> there is black magic afoot yeah so yeah and uh, so the real argument they're having is that is that the Chris character is like so now it's time to go to the cops and the main character Riley is like no this is the moment where I've realized that there is black magic afoot clearly this is supernatural and not only that but I just I just know and she's right in the end that the source of this magic is that statue of not Nathaniel Hawthorne, Calvin Hawthorne. Yes. Um, and that's the moment where you're like, oh, no. Yeah. This, 
This movie just, uh, oh. That, this is where we're going. <laughs> this didn't have to be. Yeah. This didn't have to be supernatural. Um, it didn't at all have to be, and now it is. And actually, I will tell you, Chris tried to warn us. I remember at the beginning of the film, she's like, our founder is a creepy slave owner person, and also I heard he dabbled in the black arts and sacrificed, like, um, women he thought were un unwomanly to male pagan gods and you're like that's an interesting throwaway line that won't come back and be the truth and then it did Eric. and we're equally disappointed when it happens yeah (laughs) dear god we should have heeded the warning and cut the movie off um so something we didn't mention is this entire time riley has a love interest that she meets during the unfolding of all of these events we have mentioned Oh, we did. I've waxed oh, right. about his glasses at least 50 well, times in this Well, yes. He, he comes and goes, and then it's he's a very, I don't know if it's his timing. I don't know if he's never acted before in his life. It's a very weird character. You can't tell if he's interested in her, if he hates her, uh, why he's never spoken to her until literally right now. Uh- I, I actually think that this was on purpose. I will say for this film that I think that they wanted you to suspect that he was in on this whole group of dudes killing women fraternity. Yeah. I think they made him deliberately fucking weird and unreadable, but still charming, but also something off. I I think that was the I would love to believe that, but I don't. Um <laughs> <laughs> Based on everything else in this movie, I just can't. So, he is a frat boy, but not part of that frat? Question mark. So he's, he's like he works for them at, during the scene. Uh, he's not in their frat. That was confusing for me too because he when so she leaves. She runs into Landon with his cute glasses, who was on his way to her house. Anyway, she convinces him to be a distraction, which is what she wanted her friend Chris to do. And his distraction is really weird. He's like, you've been Zeta'd. And, like, it's so convoluted where eventually one of the frat guys is like, you're not even a Zeta. And it's like, what are you guys talking about? What is anyone talking about? What is happening? Who are yeah. you? Where did this young man get those adorable glasses? <laughs> and why is he throwing his own musical gear around? Yeah, like, I, uh, I don't know. So, anyway. Riley enlists Landon. That's Landon. Mm-hmm. Glasses boy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He eventually pretends to be, they're like, you can prove your loyalty he, he by doesn't. pledging to us. And he's like, cool, I'll do it. Because he thinks that it's going to buy time. But really what it does is he's converted to Tur- a mindless... A tar zombie. Tar zombie. Tar man. <gasps> tar man, like from Return of the Living Dead. Yes, precisely. Yeah. Um, oh shit, my phone. Tar. All of my electronics are about to die. God damn it. Hold on. Tar man. Um, anyway, you know, from Return of the Living Dead. Yes. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. So, Riley is trying to sneak to the bust this whole time. While Landon is distracting them. And then she discovers Helena, or Helena, I don't remember how it's pronounced. And this mm. person is the one who was almost sexually assaulted on screen earlier. Who we thought was dead, but was just apparently handcuffed to a bed, question mark. Um, she's tied up, but alive. So Riley's like, are you okay? Do they do anything to you? And then Riley is knocked out. Because Helena Bottom Carter... <laughs> was a a stooge she was a stooge she's work she's working for the tar zombies thomas jefferson's yep. army of men who look exactly the she's same she's a confederate apologist is what we're getting at clearly even though she's not white i don't know it doesn't none matter. of it matters tequila tequila she yes. wakes up she wakes or riley wakes up And she's in the middle of a room surrounded by the frat boys who are all possessed, question mark. And then, lo and behold, Mr. Professor comes out. And what does he say? I am Thomas Jefferson. I'm Thomas Jefferson. I'm so glad your friend caught this bus of Thomas Jefferson, whoever. 
in our fraternity because it turns out there's an this part when I finished the film I ranted about this to Michael because this is a particularly stupid thing he's like oh there's this inscription on the statue and once we read it I realized that I, like you could just read this inscription and turn young men into zombies somehow and like what do you mean you read an inscription on a statue that was in their library on display for everyone to see there was an inscription on there where if you read it how does you when you read harrison i you know at that at that point i was so mad i don't even think i was paying attention i just was like this this movie's terrible why did why why did we watch this um so the, the goo. I know exactly why we watched it, Harrison, because you suggested. Well, because Carly made me watch it. I blame Carly. She'll, she, if you're listening, Carly, it's your fault. Um, but I love you. <laughs> um, so the <laughs> we realized that all of the items that have gone missing throughout the movie, such as the diva oh, yeah, cup, this didn't make the comb that so someone lent to someone else, and a mitten, <laughs> and a bunch of dumb shit. Uh, we're all used to possess, or I don't even know, used as, what were they used as? That didn't make any sense. Okay, so the idea was that the personal items of the girls, oh my god, it doesn't make any fucking sense. We're like, so Helena, Helena, who was the inside woman, took all these personal effects. Why, if you live with another girl and you just needed to get one personal item of hers, you would take her fucking menstrual cup is beyond me. <laughs> But whatever. It looks pretty clean. Now, uh, the idea that stupid professor guy is like, the personal items on this specific tray means that the, the Thomas Jefferson zombies are gonna, they know to target you. That's a horror movie trope too, isn't it? Like, there's this, like, idea that, like, if there's some sort of, like, uh, like, supernatural zombie killer and, like, it, you just have to give them a personal effect and that's how they know to attack you this is totally a thing this is in other films where it's like he's only attacking you because i gave him a lock of your hair and like <laughs> i mean i've heard of i've heard link. of curses but not like no like reanimated like, <laughs> zombies coming after someone because of a personal item because of someone's like diva cup and also it doesn't make any sense because the freaking hair comb was given by so if you can assume that they're being okay so a personal item means that these these zombie men know to target you specifically because theoretically they're just they're they have no conscious thought of their own that's the implication because Landon as soon as he gets the tar on his forehead becomes a a control like he's he's being controlled okay uh, the the freaking hair comb Harrison was a hair comb that like one of the girls had given to the main girl, and then the main girl gives it to that Helena character. So, it, I don't know why I'm trying to rationalize this. Yeah. It's the middle of the yeah. night, and I'm losing my mind. But why, how could that hair clip, which has been owned now by three different women, mean that the second person who owned it is now being targeted? You're asking, you're asking too many to, questions. Thomas Jefferson does know. not discriminate against personal <laughs> items. He knows where they come from. He knows where they go. He knows where I they come from, Cotton Eye Joe. Oh, I just want to rip out my eyeballs. This film doesn't make any damn sense. Uh, let's get to the climax. Go ahead. I'm just going to say. Long story short, <laughs> Riley smashes the bus. I don't even know. <laughs> there's a it giant. There's a giant oh. all. There's like a redeeming moment where. Chris yeah, there was an comes back. That was exciting a little bit. Yeah, and it's like, fuck you, you fucked with the wrong woman. She sees the cop when she's driving away baby. and crying in the snow and realizes that they're at the other sorority house. All the sorority and, sisters alive. And that her friend was right. It was a haunted statue. Yeah. Of course. Somehow 16 <laughs> sorority girls pile into her Jeep Cherokee and they go back to the other fraternity to rescue their friend who's been kidnapped. And there is a full-on... Mortal Kombat fight between like, like, like choreographed kung fu fight between the sorority sisters and the fraternity goo zombies. What is the it, what is that what is the movie we mentioned Grindhouse earlier and it's Planet Terror and what's the other one? Shit, the one about the car and 
Oh, um... What's his name? Death Proof. Death, Death Proof. Proof. It had a similar vibe as of the end of Death Proof, where you're like, hell yeah, kill these people. They're terrible. <laughs> and they do. Anyway. They, the, the willing participants one, who, I, it's arguable whether or not, or, you know, who knows if any of no, those men knew they were going to be possessed, possessed by Thomas Jefferson and right. kill only anyone. They, they, like, Landon... It's like, Landon's like, I'm so sorry they they possessed me. I was possessed. Like, please don't light me on fire like they do. You're right. I didn't even think about that. The implication is that they're being mind controlled. But they all end up burned to death. Yes. Except for Landon. So oh. after they, yeah, after they attack each <laughs> other. That me. That's all. Riley hops up and grabs the statue and breaks it as the professor cries. And Chris is like, hey, professor, I was right. You're an asshole. Fuck you. And throws a kerosene lamp that she found somewhere onto him. I don't know. I, 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 again, I was like, you know what? Good. Let's just say I, this I, movie I unravels least... <laughs> so terribly. I did. They I, literally, the, I, I could the enjoy. implication is that <laughs> all of these brain. I, I did brain... enjoy all of the... <laughs> I, What I'm trying to say is it was terrible, but I did enjoy it. I, at the end, I was like, that was, this obviously, this film completely lost me. It's terrible. But I was also kind of like, yeah, kill these people in terrible <laughs> Yeah, so... <laughs> All of the brainwashed men are then sacrificed as the women <laughs> lock them in the room with the goo. Yes. <laughs> and burn the entire mansion down, leaving only Landon to survive and the sorority sisters. Who? Yeah. Oh, man. And then that's the end. I mean, and then there's, the, 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 there's a mid-credit the scene. Cat. There's a scene right in the middle of the credits. And what happens? The cat eat some of the tar. Do you think that the implication there was that that cat is going to become possessed by Thomas? I was waiting for that cat's eyes to glow red and I was just going to throw my too. remote at the television. Would, they might as well have. There's it, no and reason it was like, not at that it point. It went to like goosebumps level of child do, 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 camp. Do. Like... What are we? I'm ready for my review for the record, by the way. I, I have thoughts. <laughs> okay, go. Uh, <laughs> I'm still, I'm like reliving okay. this movie and having like no, anger. I know, I know. Okay, so I want to, okay, you're going to be a little surprised by my rating. Because I'm still going to give this film two out of six. I don't, I'm not that surprised by that. Because there were moments where I was really into it. I really like that part early in the film where the girl is like, he should like there aren't any any women or minorities on the curriculum for this professor who sucks and the other person's like well I can understand his position a little bit I mean what are we supposed to do not read those classic books and the girl's like well whose classics are they and I was like oh shit it's the greatest point anyone ever made this film is gonna be a masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> um and you know and and at the end I as exhausted as I was by the the just the complete deterioration of a plot. I still enjoyed. There was still a nice catharsis. Uh, you know. So the reason I, before we started this, I was like, Harrison, I have to bring up someone else's review. So this is the only intelligent thing I'm ever going to say because I'm quoting someone else. So this is Walter Chaw. He, he writes for um, Film Freak Central, which is a website that um, Michael's obsessed with. So every once in a you know, I, I do read these reviews. And I think that um, Walter Shaw, like, really, the, he, he says it perfectly where he says, I'm just going to read it. I'm just going to read it because I have no other coherent thoughts. And he says, but the breaking point for me is the idea that the trauma of what's come before and this environment of oppressive and violent sexism can be explained as something other rather than something entirely intrinsic to our national character. So what he's saying is, like, why did this have to be supernatural? There's the, all of the themes that they're working with are real. Like it's like the, the, the idea that it's not the systemic racism or sexism or any of it that is the core evil here, but is literally some sort of weird, stupid idea of black magic. Like there is no, it, the theory is now that now that the ghost of Thomas Jefferson has been exercised at this one school, except for the cat, it's fine. everything, it, everything's fine now. That is so cheap and shitty when it could have been so much better. 
Yeah. I I honestly am curious how the third act came to be. Like if they were just writing and they were like, well, we can't just we can't just make this a rational choice. We need to add it felt very much like the ending of the conjuring for me and I love James Wan's movie like for the most part. I really enjoy James Wan's movies. I think he's a really smart director. I really like his approach. The end of that movie is it kind of does a disservice to the rest of the film because it incorporates at the last minute a random exorcism and a possession, which is just not at all what that movie was up until that point. Um, and it, it just, it, it could It's have so been. out of left field. It just is so unneeded. And I felt that way about this movie, like, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right about that. Like, a, you know, it is a very real and scary thing. And if the possession element had, like, a larger uh, metaphor, then it is lost because it is so poorly executed. Um, I mean, I guess you could say that the sins of our forefathers haunt our current America, which sure. But again, to imply that it's not that way through all the institutions that are so messed up and all of these systemic things that are being messed up, but to say, no, it's not, oh no, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean inequality, like institutionalized racism. I meant, oh, I meant magic. Yeah. I meant literally a ghost. So. Yeah, it feels like. Did you not think? (laughs) <laughs> it very much feels like they were like, let's think about this for a second. The title of the movie is Black Christmas. So we need to incorporate black magic into Christmas. That feels like I the amount of thought. thought that went into this movie. I have no idea. Again, this is like what I'm thinking. The original Black Christmas is nothing like no. this. Nothing like this. And apparently neither is the 2006 remake. Yeah. the From, from a, again, a cursory glance at the Wikipedia's plot. Right. And one of the Rotten Tomatoes reviews um, said something like it's better than the remake, but not as sharp as the original. Um, and then it mentions that it takes a stab at timely feminist themes, but mostly hits on familiar pulp. And I would say that this movie starts off as being, it starts off as being smarter than it is. And it very quickly devolves. And I think that that's a disservice to even say that it's taking a stab at timely feminist themes because I, again, I think that the introduction to the movie was so heavy handed. And if I think it had a lot to do with the writing and it had a lot to do with the ways in which information was presented to us through this one character who everyone else Mm -hmm. is just genuinely, genuinely on board with. And then the inclusion of, some things that some of the other women say, and then the main character's plight, um, and as a victim, everything that happened to her and it being dismissed. I think it, it's, it sold itself as being much smarter than it actually was, and I think that's like the biggest shortcoming of this film. Um, I would also give it a two out of six. I think that um, for everything it did right, it just did so many things wrong. I think that it was awesome to see such a diverse cast. That's definitely a you know, positive outcome of this movie. Um, but to what end is my question, and I think that that is also its undoing. Um, it, mm-hmm. For every trope that it tries to correct, it, it just falls back on it. Um, I, I really like the way that it was shot. I, you know, that's a redeeming quality of it. Um, oh, yeah. It was beautifully shot. Though, and really. I, I did think that there were some effective jump scares, which I also liked. And I did like some of the nods that you mentioned to the original. There's a character that ends up dead in the oh, attic. Yeah. Um, Wrapped up in the Christmas Yeah, lights. and, you know, something I thought about, and this is... Um, and the, the bag over the head. Right. That's also right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, what it... The whole time I was watching this, I was like, what is this movie rated? And this feels like... It should have been very clear to you. It was PG-13, wasn't it? it, Yes, it was very clear to me. There was a lot of stabbings that you never saw. You never see the victims. When when the when the when the woman when the women are in the linen closet and you know one of them is really hurt, you have no concept of where she was hit how bad it is right. other than them just being like it's bad but you don't even you don't even see 
the arrow hit her. Right. I just don't like, understand why they wouldn't have gone for an R rating. I mean, it just it I mean, feels the, the money. Yeah. They want they want teenagers to be able to go see it, which I granted. Um so, yeah, that was pretty glaring to me. I was like, this is the most PG-13 cut of any death I've ever seen yeah. for, like, every every kill. Also, there were, there. Um, now that I think about it, there was some all, also some, like, really bad coloration happening throughout the film when they were superimposing things in CGI or when they had to light up someone in post so that you could see, like, make out the characteristics of their face. There's one thing I'm thinking about in, in particular is... Uh, when oh, the door, so I don't think I noticed when the that. door, so the first one I noticed is the corpse of the diva cup girl on the balcony after she's thrown outside uh-huh. or presumed thrown outside because we see it pan that down. That was a weird shot. That was such a weird shot. It was very CGI and or at least there was some color gradation that was terrible. And then the You're, next, yeah, it was, and it didn't. It didn't make any sense. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they just put that actress on the roof with some makeup that makes her look dead? Like, why? Why did that shot look so? Yeah, weird? and then the other one is when the cop shows up to the other sorority, and he's shot, and he falls down. You see the killer behind him, and they did like some lightning effect or something on his face so that you could see the mask, and it almost looks like they took like MS Paint. And just did a circle on his face to lighten it. And none of the rest of the... Like, the masking was so terribly done. Um, Mm. Did you also notice that the... Well, you probably didn't notice this. But did you notice that the masks looked like they bought them off of Warner Brothers from the Death Eater masks in the Harry Potter movies? Because... No, it it reminded me of a... um, I can't place where the mask is from. But there's maybe it is like Goosebumps or Are You Afraid of the Dark or something. Like, it... It harkens back to like something that I've seen before and I just can't play. Oh, I think it was, it was three ninjas. It looks like one of the masks from three ninjas. That's what it is. I'm sorry. From, from three ninjas. Yeah. The child movie that was out in the nineties. Um, wow. You need to see three ninjas. Um, Googling it as we speak. I guarantee you it doesn't hold up. Um, if I could gender for a moment, this is not something little girls were shown. No. <laughs> when we were growing up. No, 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 no. Definitely not. No, a lot no. of like, oh, Obviously my balls. I'm missing out, though. Like, <laughs> I guarantee you that's like something that happens in the movie. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, this is something I obviously need to check yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. We great. need to watch it. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think that about wraps it up for me ever talking about this film ever again. Um Except for when we move on to talk about the other Black Christmases, because we are the podcast that does that Yeah, now. that's true. The same title, but a different movie. Every Sometimes week. Sometimes they're remakes. Every month. Sometimes they're Every not. Every year. Yeah. Bye. Yeah.